0: This is the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Kendall of the notaballerina.com travel blog. Every episode I'll share travel tales from several fellow travel lovers and together we hope to entertain and inspire you, remind you of some of your own great travel experiences and encourage you to hit the road again soon. Hello and welcome to episode 298 of the Thoughtful Travel podcast. This episode focuses on conservation travel. I'd just like to start by paying my respects to the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, where I'm recording this podcast, and it immediately makes me think that I know Indigenous Australians across the whole of Australia have always had this, uh, a very sensible approach to managing our environmental resources and wildlife, and we could certainly learn a lot from them when we're considering this issue of conservation. In today's episode, though, I'm chatting with three guests who are experienced in the tourism area and have had some experience with various conservation issues, um, both here in Australia uh, and abroad as travellers. And I'm going to start with Roger Smith, who I spoke to recently for our Citizen Science episode. Roger runs the tour company Echidna Walkabout, and his chat is a great place, I think, to start this episode on conservation travel. He sets the scene for us to start with, with his definition of conservation travel.
1: Conservation travel is a very important concept that is growing in the world at the moment. It's something that I ask people to take seriously because... It has a lot to do with the way that people feel about what they're actually doing to the world and Mm -hmm. what they can do to help. I take this particular topic very seriously because when we started back 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. ecotourism was, was the buzzword. Since then, there's been so many different iterations of what I'm talking about. By the way, I should point out that I'm very wary of putting down any of these you know m- making funny of any of these terms because they all have an important role to play like re- the latest one is regenerative travel if you can get your head around if your know. mouth around that it's so difficult to pronounce um, quickly <laughs> yeah and there's there's other other ways so we sat down and sort of thought to ourselves how can we describe all of these things and we decided that conservation travel was a way of saying it we we've got to look after the planet and conservation travel encapsulates things like biodiversity and look caring for it but i think most importantly it helps people to realize that they can participate as we've we've talked about citizen science in the past but they can participate in conserving what's around them and in a sense that's got to do with climate action it's got to do with giving back it's sort of, to me, it's like an umbrella that sits over a whole lot of other things. Mm. Uh, ecotourism was that umbrella once upon a time. And by the way, there's no reason why it still isn't. But um, mm. it just, it's, it's for some reason, it's lost its credentials. I don't feel that conservation travel will. But I want, let's just say I want to go on a tour, I want to travel. I want to do something more than just go and look at a place. I want to be involved in it. I want to participate. I want to feel like I have done something to help the environment in that particular location I go to. I've travelled regularly to Africa. And one of the great things about going there is in different locations, you just by being there, you actually help conserve wildlife. And when it comes down to it, that's really what I want to say today. When you're travelling and you're travelling to see wildlife, particularly wildlife in the wild, you are helping people who lived there to help other people realize the economic value of doing that. Mm -hmm. I remember very clearly, and I've got a picture of this, and I, I have it on various places that I use online, but it was when I entered southern Botswana for the first time across the Limpopo River on a little dirt road across a little muddy bridge, a little muddy crossing, nothing much around, pretty arid environment. There was a few trees and a little village nearby with a few people wandering around. And there was a sign that someone had gone to a lot of trouble to put up there. It looked like it had been hand-painted, but, you know, it was a wonderful thing. And it said in capitals, Protect and conserve the wildlife of Mashatu. And then in smaller type, Remember, no animals means no tourists, which means no jobs. And never in my life have I seen something which so cogently and specifically tells people how important wildlife is. And just to sort of round that off, they were saying to their own local people that they should do that. And I should make mention of this, Botswana is one of the most conservation-minded countries I've ever been to, because that's how they make their living. That and diamonds. (laughs) Talk about a difference. But anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) and wildlife is taking over. But, But one thing I do want, Australians to realise how important their wild, our wildlife is, because mm-hmm. you know a koala is a single koala in one of the areas that we go to. It's worth around about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars just by itself for people who want to come and see it. The koala industry in Australia, in other words, the people who come to see koalas in Australia, are valued at somewhere between three and four billion dollars. Wow. Um, these are some of the estimates that have been made. They're very, very hard to qualify, but regardless of that, some of some of Janine's research a number of years ago said at least $3 billion. I believe it. Anyway, in a nutshell, I tried to keep that in a nutshell, <laughs> that's how important conservation travel is.
0: That's really interesting to have. To ha- I mean, as you say, it's hard to be, it's a hard to quantify thing, but to be yeah. able to put some dollar values on, on a, koala and the koala industry uh, for a start that kind of gets some people thinking oh this is actually Mm. really important it's not just not Mm. just the animals it's also the economy and sometimes that's what makes other people i don't know think harder and take better decisions so
1: well if you think about polar bears in in uh, canada people go there to see the polar bears people come to australia to see our koalas and our wildlife by the way that's the main reason they come here Um, to see our wildlife, and we vastly underestimate it. It's just ridiculous. And to do, and for it to be useful to us, we have to conserve it. We have to look after it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, 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 exactly. I know certainly I'd spoken with a few people um, in Africa, you know, involved with wildlife tourism in Africa, who certainly said during COVID when there were no tourists, mm. that that really highlighted how important tourism is to conservation. So there's an
1: interesting little aside there. It's not necessarily just to do with tourism, but Janine and I went to timor Leicester a number of years back and obviously there's been war and conflict in East Timor for a long time. It's amazing how little wildlife there is. And interestingly, we we couldn't work out why that was Hmm. until we were out with a small group of young men one day in a little village. And of course, it's a peaceful place now, but we saw some birds. We wanted to see birds. And one of the young men had a Shanghai and he said, don't worry, I'll get it so you can look at it closer or words to that effect. And We realized as time went by that you kill the wildlife to eat it because you haven't got anything else to eat. And so the wildlife disappears. So I can only think, I can only, the hellhole that's Ukraine and other Sudan Mm -hmm. and places like that, wildlife often is the thing that is lost through human Mm -hmm. conflict. But anyway, let's not get too miserable.
0: It's horrifying, isn't it? But mm. on the other hand, I feel like in Australia we're so like, you know, lucky country that people don't pay enough attention to conserving wildlife. Like like you say, our tourism industry is practically entirely based on it. And yet mm. the average Australian doesn't really care
1: or know much about it no look i pulled into a place one time i won't name where it is it doesn't really matter and i'll never forget this on the way towards that place we'd seen a, i was with a group of american bird watchers and on the way there we come across a huge flock of um self crested cockatoos you know the cockatoos of australia most australians don't realize that nowhere else has cockatoos we're the cockatoo capital of the world anyway we'd seen this big uh flock of self crested cockatoos and we got to this accommodation place the fellow who ran it, and it was quite expensive. This place. The fellow who ran it welcomed us, and he had a friend there who stood there, typical Australian. He said, "So what wildlife have you seen, guys?" And they said, "We just saw sulphur-crested cockatoos." And this fellow said, "Ah, oh, those bloody cockatoos! We should shoot a lot of them." And I looked at him, and I looked at the host. And I went up to him and said, mate, could you please ask your friend to go away? You've just shattered these people's dreams. And he said he didn't mean it. And I said, that doesn't matter whether he meant it or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It might be a a common thing in many parts of the world that local people aren't quite aware of the conservation value of the things that they see around them every day. But I think it's a, a good and important point. Now, my next guest is Jamie Van Jones from Salt and Bush Echo Tours. You might also remember Jamie from my Citizen Science episode. And for this one, we've talked about a conservation project which she and her tour participants have been involved with.
2: And so, I, I guess for us, we've, we've also decided that we can go like further, and we can create our own um, like citizen science projects. So we've contacted our like researchers, and we've we've actively tried to engage with. Other projects that are happening, and and one that we've been working on is with the Conservation Council of WA. has a great citizen science project, um, and different projects actually. But one is all around uh, fairy terns, which, as the name suggests, they're like a cute, tiny seabird. Everybody loves something that's got the name fairy in it. <laughs> True, and they're a vulnerable species, and so we actually um, in our local area have. Different areas where they may come and and nest, and they migrate away for the winter months, and they come back in about um, September, October, more October to um, to nest down on our beaches. But where they nest tends to be the same beaches that people love, so it's a very vulnerable situation. They just lay their eggs on the sand, and one year we had actually a cat go and wipe out the colony, so it ate all of the eggs. Ugh. Someone's uh, pet pet cat that was let outside so a good thing is if you're if you have a cat to make sure that they don't go outside without a leash or a cat run and then uh what we did with the um the conservation council and the fairy turn network was um set up on a, an island where we do one of our kayaking tours that's in the middle of the peel Harvey estuary we went every morning for 28 days between us and one other volunteer. And we played the mating call of this little bird. And we they had little decoys that were set in the middle of a fenced area. And the idea was that we were trying to entice them with the mating call to come and nest in that area. And so we ended up getting two birds nesting. And we know at least one of them, we think maybe two of them, had um, successful chicks in the first year. And then this past year, we did it again, and they they didn't nest in that area. So we're going to try again a third year, but this is something that we do on our kayak trips. So when we have people that are interested that want to come out for a 6 a.m. kayak, not everybody is up for that, but we definitely have keen guests (laughs) that love coming out for this. We take them around and we, we kayak the wetlands and we put on that recording and we do a bird survey as well, counting the number of species around. And then we come back after the two hour kayak tour and we take down the um the callbacks, so the what we were using to entice them in. And so that's another project that we that we work on.
0: I love this project, which has been having some genuine impact on conservation of a species. I also love it because it's in a very special part of the world to me, uh, down uh, near where my dad's been living. So, and I've uh, spent a lot of time in that part of Western Australia. So, uh, a really, uh, a really lovely example. Now, my final guest today is. Uh, favourite listener Anuj and this is a continuation of a chat I had with him back in episode 292 about his experience seeing lions at the Gir National Park in India. There's been a huge conservation effort underway there for the last um, couple of decades in fact so if you want to hear more about what he saw there do go back to episode 292 and listen to his experiences but in this part of the chat we talk a bit about how they are doing conservation there and effectively
3: the more tourism happens the more conservation happens and Mm. and we are at the stage that they might have to find a new jungle (laughs) to put the lions in so that's that's yeah so conservation is working clearly in this case yeah so yeah um, yeah, it's it's pretty good i mean considering uh just to give you a comparison there is another another uh sanctuary in india for tigers which is one of the best one, which is also 14,000 square kilometer century. It's only 70 tigers in there. And, and this has similar size. This is one of the biggest ones, right? And this is one of the biggest ones and has 600, seven, almost 700 lions. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like 10 times the number of animals. It oh, sounds amazing.
3: My God, amazing. I mean, I would recommend anybody to go and have a look. Only problem is it's quite hard to get to. And that is probably mm. why also it's a lot of conservation success there.
0: Exactly, It's probably um, why it's worked. Yeah, yeah why exactly. it's worked. No,
3: but even in India, the tiger one worked as well. So in 10, 50, 20 years, uh, the tiger population have gone up a lot, right, as well. So it, generally it works in India because the weather is very suitable uh, for the animals even though it's very hot uh, they like hot weather anyway so is there any poaching or is it yeah um... so this is where uh this is where that female ranger stuff uh worked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah because the poachers are there initially the poachers were poaching a lot but this female rangers team and the actual rangers team so they there are i think eight rangers per lion or something like that some sort of wow. uh calculation i'm I'm not sure exactly but something like that quite a lot of late rangers in not rangers and caretakers combined right so okay. so many of them so they protect all of this poaching stuff right and mm-hmm. you're not allowed to go inside the forest at all during any part of the day and uh obviously there is like natural deaths obviously there's lions getting old or being killed by other lions and the other problem was that the vehicles hitting the lions that is cut off there is also a train that goes between the jungle because back in the day there was no conservation, right? So where the train line was laid. So there's
0: a train line going through. The train okay. also
3: kills lions. So it it used to be twenty to thirty lions uh, a year that was killed by trains. Now it's down to seven. Excellent. Yeah. So despite it,
0: there being more lions, they've
3: yeah uh, because they've modified. Yeah, they modified some certain areas where lion. Uh-huh. And uh, sort of they and they understood the patterns of the lions, you know, walking and the migration patterns and stuff. So they might have modified something around that. So I am so proud uh, of mm. what they are doing over there. And I'm so happy that I got to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. When it's in your own homeland, in your yeah. home area, that's really
3: special, isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah, it was great. And And the funny thing is I'm from Gujarat, India, Gujarati. And the guides Mm. are Gujarati, so they all we all speak in the same language. And it is great to see Gujarati explaining in Gujarati to us and we got to see everything we got to understand everything and that put me back all my 17 years because I've forgotten few words from Gujarati which were mentioned <sighs> and it comes back uh, to me straight away so uh, it was such a that's great cool. experience yeah not only lions but also my own language skills have your own heritage
0: and yeah oh that's a really extra special trip then isn't it it was great to chat with Anuj some more about this experience in the Gia National Park and just to reflect on, you know, the different ways that we can see and be involved with conservation projects, even if it is just supporting the kinds of projects where tourists can come and experience something and those tourism dollars are going towards supporting that conservation project further. And I think Sometimes it's very difficult to know when you're travelling what is the best way to do a quote unquote good thing as you travel. And often it is just trying to do a bit of research. Hopefully, having listened to these three guests gives you some more ideas about the kinds of uh, tourism experiences that probably are good in terms of conservation. It's all about asking questions, I think, doing your research and having the intention of doing doing better than we've done in the past. I think that's uh, as sometimes all we need to try and we're already making big progress. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to episode 298. I've got a few links for you today. First of all, you may want to go back and listen to episode 292 or 293 if you found these ones interesting. Uh, 292 was about ethical animal experiences on your travels and features Anuja's um, description of seeing lions there in India. And episode 293 about citizen science for travellers had um, lots of really, I found, really interesting tips and things I didn't know much about the kinds of ways we can get involved uh, in um, in citizen science projects when we are on the road or also when we're at home. Thanks also a lot to my three fabulous guests. I started off with Roger Smith of Echidna Walkabout, and you can find out a lot more about uh, his work at echidnawalkabout.com.au. Thanks also to Jamie Van Jones, and you can find more about uh, Jamie's business, Salt and Bush Echo Tours, at saltandbush.com.au. They're based here in the southwest of Western Australia. And lastly, um, a huge thanks to Anuj for coming on and telling me about his experiences. Um, you can find more and see some of his pictures from the Gear National Park on Instagram. His Instagram handle is anujph, A-N-U-J-P-H. Of course, don't forget to come and join some of our groups. So we have a Facebook group for Thoughtful Travellers. Just search for Thoughtful Travellers in Facebook and you should find it. And similarly, we have a Thoughtful Travellers group on LinkedIn, which is just ramping up a bit. Uh, a quick link for that is notaballerina.com slash LinkedIn, or just search for Thoughtful Travellers, and you'll probably find it there. So all of those uh, links, etc., will all be in the show notes. For this episode, you can find the show notes at notaballerina.com slash 298. I would love to hear in either of those groups or anywhere you can find me, uh, which is everywhere. Uh, Any of your own stories and tips for conservation travel, I always like to share uh, good experiences and people on the ground who've experienced or been to somewhere and seen it operating well is often a really good tip. So as always, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Show notes and other information are at notaballerina.com slash podcast. Join me again soon for another chat about why we travel. Bye for now.